0: Welcome to a light on podcast. I'm your friend Patrick few books have captured my attention, like the book I'm going to talk about today. I picked it up in mid to late 2020, and not knowing anything about the subject of electricity or how it relates to my health and the world around me, and it was just a mind-blowing uh, experience. The book is The Invisible Rainbow, A uh, History of Electricity and Life, and we're talking to the author, um, Mr. Arthur Furstenberg, today. Thank you so much for talking with me today.
1: Thanks for inviting me.
0: Sure thing. So, I first wanted to ask you, um, so you're a person who is considered uh, electrosensitive?
1: Um, I don't use that term. Okay. Uh, well, ev- Everybody is electrosensitive. Some okay. People, some people know it and um, have discovered the cause of what they're feeling, their headaches and other assorted ailments and most people haven't um uh, of course like any other toxin there's a spectrum of of sensitivity if if uh, hundred people are are poisoned with any chemical substance uh, not everybody will get sick at the same time Um, Mm -hmm. but with electricity since our society is in denial that it has anything to do with biology. Um, you get sick from electricity, which a lot of illness is due to that nowadays, and um, you discover that that, that that is playing a role in, in your body and uh you go to your doctor, your doctor never learned that in medical school so it, it's it's a problem confirming it everybody's in denial. everybody tells you no, no that you're crazy um and um it's it's just uh that that's the way it is in our society right. and, and so so people who who insist that they're correct um get labeled with uh, oh you're electro sensitive so they, th- this is is uh it, instead of doing something about an environmental factor they try and figure out what's wrong with the person and and, and that is that is not a correct uh, way of looking at it
0: okay so pretty much everybody is affected by this thing and you just either realize it or you don't like you're in tune with it or you're not in tune with it um it's funny because you know the only thing we see uh regarding this kind of thing in television and movies and you know they always kind of make fun of it and I you know I think I saw a character on uh this show called uh, Better Call Saul where um the main character's brother is uh you know supposedly whatever you want to call it electrically sensitive um and you know they make it out like it's a sp- very specific affliction and he's running around with like you know like tinfoil blankets or whatever, um. So there's really not a lot of information on this
1: stuff. Right. Um, I I went to medical school. We we sure didn't learn about it there, but that that's actually where I was. Injured by, by by an overdose of X rays, and I figured out what was uh, my problem, Gosh. and I've been studying it ever since. So that that was like over forty years ago.
0: So you so you had a series of X rays, and that's how you kind of got involved, and you were you're in the midst of studying in in, in a, a medical school, and um, that at what point did you decide that you wanted to write a, a book about all this stuff?
1: Well, that was. Uh, 20 years later, when wow. uh, a- after the, the beginning of what they call the wireless revolution, where they gave everybody, uh, they put cell towers up all, all over the world and they started selling everybody cell phones. And uh, suddenly, what I had been avoiding for 20 years, namely exposure to electromagnetic radiation, was now becoming unavoidable in society. Right. So I, I um, started an organization with a few friends um, called the Cellular Phone Task Force and, uh, and I decided that I was going to write a book about it. And that turned out uh, not to be such an easy thing because I'm a refugee from cell towers and I was constantly <laughs> on the run. So I, I didn't settle down and start writing until uh, over 10 years later. Wow. And how long did it actually take to write the book?
0: Because
1: um, it's a very detailed
0: book. I mean, it's like, what, 600 pages? I know a large portion of that is like a bibliography, but...
1: Yeah, it... it, it uh, I, Well, I'd been gathering information for it for, for quite a long time. and It took me it took me two, three years to actually write. Okay.
0: So did did this all of this stuff change your views on, you know, being someone who was in medical school? Did it change your views on allopathic medicine?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, in what ways would you say? Uh Allopathic medicine focuses on pharmaceuticals and Drugs and surgery basically are its tools. Mm -hmm. Um, It analyzes symptoms. It groups symptoms into classification of of diseases, and doesn't focus very much on causes. When it does focus on causes, it looks for microorganisms. It looks for viruses and bacteria. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't deal with diet at all. We had uh, I think a six hours total on diet and nutrition in, in the three years that I was in medical school. <laughs> wow. Um, doesn't deal with toxins. It doesn't hardly at all. Doesn't deal at all with electromagnetic energy. What was not mentioned. Um, so the the causes of illness deal spectacularly with physical injury if you're in a car accident they take you to the hospital they fix you up they know how to do that Um, but uh, otherwise um, allopathic medicine in my mind is a failure
0: yeah i i think i would agree with that it's been that's that's you know come to light more and more i think especially with what's going on in the world now uh yeah but as far as like um you know avoiding electromagnetic magnetic radiation in in today's world i mean how was it adjusting to that because you you said you don't you don't even have internet right you don't use i mean i'm I'm sure you don't use cell I do. phones. I have
1: internet in my office. I rented an office space so I could do my work, but I don't have it in my house.
0: Okay, I see. So you keep it all in like one specific place so you're not exposed all the time. Uh, yes. Hmm. And ha- like, has it affected your, you know, your personal life, if you don't mind me asking? like, Is it hard to kind of juggle um, avoiding the modern technology and, and kind of like leading everyday life?
1: Well, yeah, um, it's it's kind of impossible. <laughs> yeah. Um, until 1996, uh, well, uh, in the 1980s, everybody started getting personal computers. And, and by 1990, uh, it became hard to navigate in the sense that it became impossible to get a job in a workplace that was not fully computerized. But they were not wireless computers. Um, Even regular computers give off strong electromagnetic fields. And uh, people who were activists against electromagnetic fields, and there were some, Um, Even in those days, there weren't very many, but there were some people complaining about – it it started with with power lines. And in in 1979, uh, Louise Young wrote a book uh, um, uh, about the effects of of electromagnetic fields from power lines and, and the relationship to leukemia. And so there was starting to be some uh, attention to reducing electromagnetic fields in society from from power lines, and then when computers came, that was added to the list. And and the uh, there was an organization that formed in the early '90s called uh, the EMR Lions. and uh, they were focused on power lines and, and electromagnetic radiation from uh, from computer screens. Um it, it was still localized um, mm-hmm. if, if you didn't sit in front of your computer, you weren't exposed if you if there wasn't a major power line in front of your house, uh, basically you weren't exposed and yeah, if, if you were concerned or uh, avoiding such radiation it was it was not that hard right um, 1996 comes along, and uh, telecommunications Act, of 1996 is passed and uh, absolves the telecommunications industry of liability and they start building cell phones all over the landscape and and hmm. they start selling uh, advertising cell phones as christmas gifts <laughs> and uh suddenly <laughs> um in the course of of just a few years everybody gradually has a cell phone in their hands so every human being is now a source of, of electromagnetic radiation and, uh, and and if you want to avoid it, you pack up your belongings and move move out in the country. But pretty soon, there's a cell phone next to where you build your house, and uh, and living becomes impossible. And there's a growing class of environmental refugees. Um,
0: is, is there any, any place on Earth at this point where you can escape? <laughs>
1: Well, actually, no, um, be, because there's an increasing amount of satellites in the sky as well that are broadcasting this down, um, so, so that you can actually use cell phones. Uh, at the moment, um, you have to buy a satellite phone if you want to use one of these low lying, uh, low orbiting satellites. Um, the, the The thing about the the COVID nineteen pandemic mm-hmm. is suddenly what. So-called electrically sensitive people have been um, doing for years, i.e., staying away because of of cell phones and cell towers, staying away from everybody in society. Now suddenly, everybody was experiencing what we're doing. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) don't go near anybody because they're dangerous, and uh, stay six feet apart. And and, uh, it's just kind of funny. <laughs> so so yeah, you were worried yeah. about
0: the cell phones in their pockets, though.
1: That's right. <laughs> but now, but now everybody's got to experience what we've been doing for, for for years. Oh boy! Well, I mean, I can tell you, it's a terrible way to live. It's horrible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I, I, so I wanted to go back even further than than all this stuff because there's one there's one passage in the book that I if I can read it really quick um, that really jumped out to me. Um, It says, since ancient times, influenza had been known as a capricious, unpredictable disease, a wild animal that came from nowhere, terrorized whole populations at once without warning and without a schedule, and disappeared as suddenly and mysteriously as it had arrived, not to be seen again for years or decades. It behaved unlike any other illness, was thought not to be contagious, and received its name because its comings and goings were said to be Governed by the influence of the stars. That's probably my favorite passage in the book because I had no, <laughs> I just had no idea and never thought about really the the meaning of the word influenza. So I wanted to know where, you know, where did that derive from? Where in your research did you discover that? Who came up with that? And what did they know about the stars that we don't?
1: Well, it was kind of a metaphor. It, it, influenza. It was, it was uh, okay. the Italians coined that word. Okay, that's from the Italian. It just means influence. Right. So, if some something comes at random every so often, and you can, and uh, well, it must be due to the influence of the stars. It's like that's from ancient astrology.
0: Okay, so they just put it, they kind of put it on astrology, but but, but it, you say in the book that there, you know, there really wasn't influenza as we have it now, uh, back then, not until the 1800s, I believe. Um,
1: 1889. Um, right, right. Is, is when uh, alternating currents um, was, uh, started to be used for lights and power. It, it, it was... Gr- Proposed, I mean, there was a war of the currents between Tesla and uh, Edison. Um, Edison uh, thought that uh, direct current was the thing to use, um, in part because he thought it was safer. And uh, Tesla said no alternating current is. is uh, is much better for long distance. And um, in those days uh, they didn't know how to transmit direct current for very long distances we we do today. Um, And uh, Tesla went out and uh, all these companies started stringing um, alternating current transmission lines all around the planet. And it happened very rapidly in the year 1889. Mm. And in the year 1889, a, a major pandemic of influenza broke out all over the planet. Um, hmm. And and that lasted for four years. Um, and a lot of doctors who were flooded with influenza patients in the year 1889 had never seen a case before. It was not an annual disease. It did not break out every winter. Right. Um, it, it, and and um, many... For example, in the United States, I think the last uh, epidemic of influenza had been in the 1850s. And in uh, the UK, there had been a, a minor epidemic in 1876, I think. But, but nobody, it's like it was a rare, uh, an uncommon disease, and uh, the last epidemic had been a long time ago. Since 1889, it has, well, that epidemic, Occurred everywhere, lasted for four years, and then it returned every single winter in the northern hemisphere, every single winter in the southern hemisphere, every year until today has never been absent, and that that uh, changed that disease totally. Wow.
0: So what was and, the first...
1: and, and and the authors that have tried to to analyze and and uh, what the pattern what. Of, of influenza and what it might be due to prior to 1889 and there have been a lot of, of uh, to this day there, there are still studies that that happen periodically oh yeah influenza came as solar maximum um when there's a maximum number of sunspots that's when we used to have influenza pandemics
0: okay so there was something like astrological
1: about it all well, yeah, it was related to to solar radiation,
0: right? And now, you know, with the with the advent of all you know electricity, and it, it just became like a regular, commonplace thing, right? So, what was the first um, pandemic that kind of coincided with? Because you detail in the book how there I think there are six major pandemics or epidemics that. Uh, Coincided with a new electrification of the Earth. Was it was the
1: the first first one? The first one accompanied the rollout of AC electricity, alternating currents, in 1889. mm -hmm. Then there was the so-called Spanish Flu of 1918, that um, was caused by the entry of the United States into World War One, and the United States brought. So we're over here in the Western Hemisphere, having to communicate with Navy ships in Europe and in Asia and all over the planet. And, and, and the United States built these extremely powerful radio stations, low-frequency radio stations, because it was thought in those days that in order to communicate overseas, you had to, long distances, you had to use low-frequency stations that the, the greater the distance, the lower the frequency. They, so they built these VLF antennas and fed them with uh, millions of watts of power and, and to communicate with Navy ships. So they blasted this globe, this planet, with VLF radiation. And that was, the, uh, that was what accompanied the Spanish influenza. Um, later on, they discovered shortwave radio. And, and that actually, you didn't need a whole lot of power. You just had to use very high frequencies. Um, the the, uh, the Asian flu of 1957 accompanied the beginning of civil defense radar, especially that which was deployed by the United States. Um, the... Um, Hong Kong flu of 1968 accompanied the first c- constellation of military satellites. Um, and then, uh, after that, we had the wireless revolution that, uh, for some reason has not been labeled a pandemic, perhaps because it didn't break out everywhere at once, um, but I documented in my book that there were epidemics, uh, localized epidemics that were called influenza everywhere that uh, cell towers. First so it was like the swine flu and all that? Uh, those were kind of non-events. Those, oh, those okay. were not real pandemics.
0: yeah oh, I see. Interesting. So... Uh, how much do you think this electrification each time really contributed to to sickness is it a major factor you would say or does it just kind of you know add um add insult to injury
1: no it's a it's a major factor of disease for mm-hmm. example uh, the, the beginning of all this was wireless no wired telegraphy. When when telegraph systems were first built with wires, um, this began in in the 1840s, but but not going in a a major way at the end of the the 1850s. During the 1860s, um, millions of miles of of telegraph wires were were strung around the earth in the 1860s. Um, That's when um, three major diseases started to become common, and and I, I devote a chapter in my book to each of them. They're, they're diabetes, heart disease, and cancer. Right. Um, before the 1860s, um, diabetes was rare, actually, much, much rarer than influenza. It was uh, an unusual disease. Doctors that specialized in it saw maybe two, three cases during their lifetime. Wow. Um, heart disease was a disease of the elderly. Um, also um, infants. It, it occurred in infancy because people had congenital uh, heart defects, and uh, but that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and cancer was rare. It was not as rare as diabetes, but it was very uncommon. Um, all those three diseases started to increase gradually during the, about the 1860s. And at the turn of the century, people started wondering, turn of the 20th century, people started wondering, hey, what's cancer? Where did this come from? And uh, it started increasing much more dramatically later in the 20th century. And the same thing happened to diabetes and heart disease. And, and now we live with them, and we think it's normal. <laughs> um, it, it ain't normal. <laughs> um, and they blame and, it. They blame it on diet and and things
0: like that, right? So you you think it's not yeah, so much the stuff that they're telling us it
1: is. Prior to the 1860s, sugar did not cause diabetes. <laughs> Um, cholesterol did not cause heart disease. Um, it, in fact, uh, there's a disorder, a medical disorder called hypercholesterolemia, where you genetically have accumulate cholesterol and you have very high levels of it. Um, and today, that causes heart disease. It predisposes you if you if you're born with that genetic trait. It predisposes you to to heart disease. You have to watch your diet and and not eat very many fats. Hmm. People who have analyzed um, the ancestors of people that have hypercholesterolemia today have been surprised that their ancestors had very low levels of heart disease, lower than the normal population. So cholesterol at one time was, was actually protective, and that has changed um and and i go into the uh, the mechanisms the, the the biological mechanisms for for these three in particular diseases which are are causing um, such morbidity in the world today yeah it gonna... has to do with the interference um, uh, of electromagnetic fields artificial electromagnetic fields are interfering with electron transport, they're, they're essentially tiny electric currents in the mitochondria of every cell, and they're an essential part of metabolism. And if your electron transport chains in in your mitochondria are are interfered with, that interferes with metabolism, which is the digestion of your food and um, and essentially the burning of the product. Products, it, it, it's, it's we eat and we breathe, and that's where we get our our, our energy for for living from. Mm-hmm. If you can't efficiently metabolize your food and you and efficiently use the oxygen we breathe, that's that's what the electron transport chain does. Is is it the digest the end products of digestion down to simple sugars, fats, and proteins, amino acids, and proteins that generates electrons, which are transported. To the oxygen we breathe and creates ATP and that produces the energy to, to live. If that, if the efficiency of your mitochondria is is impaired, you cannot efficiently digest sugars, fats, and proteins anymore. So the, your sugars back up into your bloodstream, get excreted in your urine. That is called diabetes. They give you insulin. <laughs> um, Type one and type two, and, and uh, depends on uh, on how severe your diabetes is. Um, fats back up into your bloodstream, get deposited in your arteries, your coronary arteries as well, causes heart disease, and <laughs> essentially you are chronically. Um, oxygen starved you're breathing plenty of oxygen you've got plenty of oxygen in your blood but your your cells are not efficiently using it and it turns out that cancer cells proliferate and grow preferentially in the absence of oxygen hmm. they, they they thrive on anaerobic metabolism and that's actually how cancer is diagnosed today with with pet scanning then they inject you with radioactive glucose in those areas where your body's using uh, extraordinary amounts of glucose that's cancer um, and, and uh, anaerobic metabolism does not use glucose as efficiently as aerobic metabolism so it uses lots of it. So those three diseases ha- have uh, have proliferated in today's society and uh, my conclusion is that that it's due to the electromagnetic soup that we are all living in. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. And in the book, you even talk about uh, Marconi, right? Who invented radio and he, he had what, like 10 heart attacks? That's correct. Yeah. (laughs) 10 heart attacks, I think, including the one that killed him at a fairly young age, I think it was.
1: Uh, I don't remember exactly. Yeah, it was fairly young. It was in his sixties, I think. Yeah. That's amazing. And then, you know, when you get all of these, And his wife, who lived with him uh, and was exposed to all his experiments and uh, and and the antennas that he built, uh, she was not well, and and she aborted her first baby while she was living there. And Mm. yeah, if, if you go look, yeah, yes, Marconi was sick, and so was his wife.
0: Wow, that's crazy. And, you know, nowadays, when you get all of these afflictions, the, of course, like the, one of the first things they do is they stick you in like, you know, a kind of electromagnetic oven, right? I mean, you have experience with x-rays. And w- what are all these things that, that they're putting us in, uh, doing to us at the same time, you know, as far as x-rays, ultrasounds, uh, PET scans? How, how dangerous are these things?
1: They have an effect on your health. Definitely. I I I know plenty of people that uh call themselves electrosensitive and uh they were injured by MRIs, um, CAT scans, yeah, things like that. That that that's when their health uh was changed and uh that's what they attribute it to.
0: Hmm. Do, are they on a very low level at least, or
1: I mean, how powerful are these? The cat scans are really powerful X rays. It's like being yeah. exposed. I, I mean, cat scans is like a thousand chest X rays. It's 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 very powerful. <laughs> um, an MRI is a, an enormously powerful magnetic field and a radio frequency field. It's both. Wow, and
0: of it's course, brief. They,
1: they... it's brief. So they think that it that it doesn't have any effect on your body, but it does.
0: Yeah, and they ultrasound babies all the
1: time, um, which was concerning. That's, that's not defeated because the ultrasound is generated by by radio frequency uh, um, circuitry. So mm-hmm. you're actually being exposed by RF in addition to ultrasound. And the ultrasound itself vibrates your cells and there 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 have been studies showing that 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 uh causes injury as well to to your cells. Mm-hmm. and that's ignored that that's actually out there in the open literature. all of this is in the open literature and and it's mm-hmm. it's all ignored but at least the ultrasound um <laughs> there are medical practitioners that, that uh, are aware of that because eventually when you specialize in medical school, they teach you about that. They don't teach you about the electromagnetic uh, fields hmm. ever.
0: Is there any alternative to any of these things? You know, because it's kind of hard to avoid, right? If you break your leg or, or whatever happens to you, is there an alternative to doing an X-ray or an MRI?
1: Uh well it it's X rays uh, yeah, if if you want to do but but there it's an emergency um it's an emergency measure. Mm-hmm. And it's not used that way. It's used as if uh you can do endless amounts of them and not injure the person you, you go. And it should be used judiciously. Um, once, um, a cat scan is, is, is really not necessary. I mean, yes, you can find out lots of information with it, but, uh, mostly it's done for liability purposes. Uh, it, it's not done only when necessary.
0: I see. I've had a lot of scans uh, in my life, and they, uh, they pretty much always have asked me to do, like, follow-ups, like follow-up CAT scans and whatnot.
1: Yeah. Whereas a lot of this information, the same information, could, could be done with a, a, a low-dose X-ray instead of a CAT scan. Why have all this million-dollar equipment that they roll out for every single follow-up? It's not necessary.
0: Yeah. Isn't there also something using heat?
1: I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but thermography, sure, yeah, yeah. Thermo- thermography is, is a much safer way of of diagnosing some of these diseases.
0: Is is that a an available resource to most people, or is that pretty hard to find?
1: No, I I, I uh, it's available. I I think if you request it, um, yeah, you can get it. It it's just. Uh, as invasive so they don't like to use it as much i don't know (laughs) (laughs) right but medicine allopathic medicine they 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 like the invasive methods
0: (laughs) yeah that seems to be true definitely seems to be true um and so and you say also that you know cell phones and some of the the things that we use every day like i i mentioned in another podcast my my girlfriend loves her ear pods and i constantly tell her to take them out of her ears there's so many of these now tiny devices that people are using um, you know what does something like ear pods do to to a person's brain because i i wanted to ask specifically so that she'll listen to it?
1: Well, it's it's a miniature wireless device. And it's mm. right next to your brain, and it's basically on all the time, I believe, as long as you're wearing it. So, so it's constant, um, constant exposure. Um, the idea that it's less harmful than a cell phone because the power levels are less... Um, is not correct. Um, the, the damage done by RF radiation does not depend on power level. Hmm. In other words, there's not a dose response like there is with, with, with most chemicals That, that you can, and we have studies, um, that, that for some reason are not, uh, acknowledged or not believed, but, uh, we have a classic study from from Lund University in Sweden by by Leif Salford. He's a he's a neurosurgeon there, and his team uh, exposed laboratory rats to cell phones. Um, they, they actually have been expo- They exposed. They, they, they had a research program going for for thirty years. I I'm, I think it ended sometime in the late two uh, thousands. And the results were consistent. If, if you lowered RF radiation, um, damages the blood-brain barrier. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was discovered back in the 1970s already. And they uh, investigated in, in great detail. And when cell phones came on the scene in the 1990s, they started exposing the animals to actual cell phones. And uh, Yeah, cell phones damaged the blood-brain barrier as well. And, and what that means, the blood-brain barrier is, is a tight barrier that prevents um, toxic chemicals from crossing from your capillaries into your brain, and uh, it prevents bacteria and viruses from getting access to your brain, um, and it, it it maintains your head at a constant pressure. This barrier is compromised by this radiation and, and they exposed, um, laboratory rats to cell phones and discovered, yeah, it happens in rats too. They've got the same, uh, brain physiology as we do basically. And they played around with power levels and they discovered that when they lowered the power level of the phone, the damage increased. And, wow. oh, and they lowered the, the the power level hundredfold, a thousandfold. The lowest levels that they tried had the greatest damage to the blood-brain barrier. So, so this idea that you can make cell phones safe by simply lowering the power is not even correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a reason for that too, because the the uh, the power that a cell phone exposes your tissues to and exposes your your brain to is something like 10 billion times as strong as the levels of radiofrequency radiation that are naturally in our environment. That comes from the sun and the stars. And um, our cells also emit electromagnetic fields, and the Russians in particular have have uh, discovered particular frequencies that our cells operate at in the millimeter wave range, which is coincidentally what 5G uses. <laughs> right. And uh, Ross eighty, who who worked at Loma Linda University for decades, uh, was a researcher in this field, and he called it uh, cell w- whispering to each other in the radio frequency range. So when you lower the power levels down closer to the levels that our cells are whispering to each other at, the interference is greater. Mm. Um, So, yeah, there's no safe level of RF radiation. And and these earbuds are the same as holding a cell phone to your head. And, And they're on all the time. So, yeah, people are doing tremendous damage to themselves. And so these, like, kind of
0: um, EMF protection stickers and um, even, you know, Shungite rocks, do do they offer any protection that you know of? Or is that just kind of, uh, you know, uh, marketing? Well,
1: Shungite is, is a real... Uh real substance is uh, people use crystals people use shungite um mm-hmm. i i'm not an expert in that in crystallography or or in minerals and, and their mm-hmm. biological properties they they seem to have an effect mm-hmm. um some people um tell me that they've used shungite and it and it prote- it helps them uh, it protects their health some people report the opposite; they don't they don't feel good carrying it around. Um, I don't have experience with that. These mm-hmm. all these other objects, um, the, the, these stickers that you put on on your cell phone that contain some kind of a chip that's supposed to protect you, mm-hmm. and, and quote unquote neutralize the radiation that that is just jargon; it means nothing. It, it, those, those are Basically, fraudulent devices the uh wow. pendants that you can wear um devices that you plug into your wall that are supposed to emit a neutralizing field um, they actually do emit a field and they're harmful because they emit a field, oh, but they don't wow. protect you
0: so really, the only way is to just limit or you know completely remove yourself from from these fields.
1: Yeah, and some people hole up in their houses and they they paint their houses with with reflective paint that keeps out the radiation and and uh, they protect themselves that way. That's not a pleasant way to go either.
0: <laughs> Wait, so there's there's paint like is it like lead? I heard lead paint protects you or something.
1: I mean, no, I actually the the the, the most uh, conductive metals are are copper and silver. Okay, so you can buy. Paint that uh, has a, a high copper content or, or silver content, and that reflects the radiation.
0: Okay, so you're saying that is an effective way.
1: Or, or, or you can you can line your house with aluminum foil if you want. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> okay. yeah, I think I saw
0: somebody do that in a documentary about this. Um, that's interesting. So you could kind of like you know
1: use and, an and people actually did are. There, there, are, there are whole industries that have built up around uh, making shielding products and, and you can buy canopies for your bed. and You can drape uh, fabrics that, that are woven with metallic fibers and sleep in yeah. it and people do that.
0: Right, yeah. I've seen like beanie hats and stuff that they're selling for $50 online. Um,
1: that, and those are not so effective. That That's the origin of like the, the tinfoil hat metaphors. like. Uh, <laughs> But but yeah, it, it'll reflect the radiation off of your head, but uh, any radiation that's reflected off the ground up into your head gets magnified because it's reflected off the inside too. I, I read about that actually. Yeah, that can
0: have kind of the opposite effect, especially if it's like a cap, right? That's right. Yeah, and it's funny that, that I was going to ask you about the tinfoil hat metaphor because I wasn't sure uh, where that came from, but it seemed very likely that that this was it, this whole subject. <laughs> so, uh, it goes to show you how people really haven't taken this seriously. You know, they call you a conspiracy theory, theorist, uh, tinfoil hat wearing whatever. Um,
1: it, it when I started doing research was I, I was injured by dental x-rays in, in my third year of medical school. Mm. And, uh, I tried to stick it out, and uh, after the injury, I, I, I tried to forget about it. Um, and then one day, I, I, I collapsed with, with the symptoms of a heart attack. And uh, uh, Well, before that happened, though, I was on uh, surgery rotation. Well, and I noticed that after every surgery, I would get... Um, Severe pains in my hips for a few days afterwards. Um, remind me what what, what but, we were just talking about. We, were, well, we
0: started about the the tinfoil hat, the tinfoil hat wearing metaphor.
1: <clears throat> um, no, no, there was something specific that that I wanted to say about this. Um, um. Oh that they weren't teaching this Um, and and the degree of of evidence is like, yeah, people pretend that, that, that uh, there's no evidence for this. You said it was a conspiracy theory. I made a deal with my plastic surgery attending physician. Um, I asked him if I could be excused from the operating room because it caused me pain. And he said, okay. Um, you, you don't have to attend surgeries, but you have to write me a research paper, essentially a term paper on a topic of your choice. And I wanted to know. Uh, I chose the 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 title of it was the effects of radiant energy on living organisms. I I wanted to do research on electromagnetic radiation because they were not teaching it to us. And I thought that this was what uh, my problem was in the operating room. Probably. I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. Went to the medical school library. I was at UC University of California, Irvine in California. And uh, there were it was a whole bookshelf practically filled with books on electromagnetic fields, electromagnetic radiation, and, and, uh, and health and biology. and I I was amazed because they didn't teach us this subject in medical school and uh, so the research is there and then uh, when the internet came and and suddenly you could do uh, searches online much easier than than spending uh, weeks in a library I did a search on the NIH website the NIH keeps track of, of medical literature. The National Institute of Health. Um, and I put in electromagnetic fields and health, and uh, there are. I discovered that there are more publications, more scientific articles have been published on electromagnetic fields, electromagnetic radiation and health, then there's more literature on EMFs than on any other toxin, except for mercury and cigarette smoke. Third one is electromagnetic fields. And people think that that there's no evidence out there. They're not teaching it in school. Um, We don't pay attention to it. Nobody knows about it. And that's was the impetus for my researching the history of electromagnetic fields and life, electricity Mm -hmm. and life, because I wanted to expose the fact that not only does electricity affect us today, but it always has. And there's a ton of literature on it.
0: Yeah. It was really cool reading about, you know, how they used electricity at the beginning. I mean, didn't they start with like little uh, laden jars or, what have you. Um, they used yeah, to Yeah,
1: the, Le- and- the Leiden jar yeah. is a... Uh, w- was the first way... The, the first method that was ever discovered to store electricity for use. And okay. that was static electricity. The, the Leiden jar is was a glass jar filled partway with water and uh, they charged it up with their electrical machines that generated static electricity. And lo and behold, you you could capture and store a static charge in this jar. Um, mm-hmm. So electricity was suddenly a little bit more useful. And that was in 1746, and they started using it uh, for medical purposes, for electrotherapy.
0: Was there, and that was all there...
1: that it was used for in the 18th century. It was used in medicine, and uh, medical practitioners of electricity were, were in those days called the electricians. Hmm. <laughs>
0: Was there a positive effect uh, in using that stuff back then?
1: Yeah, there were reports, actually, uh, of, of curing uh, blindness and deafness and serious uh, diseases. Wow. But, but the, the levels, it, this was static electricity. It was not an intense dose like we're all being exposed to today. They, they gave people uh, mild shocks and uh, brief mild static electricity um, and it had medical effects and the medical effects were well documented and, and sometimes they they, they actually uh, more often than you might expect um, affected cures of even uh, what are considered today incurable diseases
0: what is static electricity what are the sort of mechanics behind that
1: That's actually uh, even not completely understood today. You rub you rub your feet on a carpet, you, you rub a balloon, and, and charges separate. And it's not exactly known how that happens, but um, if you rub a balloon, it, it will transfer electric charge from the balloon to your body, and, and the, the charged balloon will stick to a wall. So uh, you, you rub your feet on, on, a, on a synthetic carpet, uh, it it separates the charge between you and the carpet. The, the carpet gets uh, they negatively charged. Your body gets positively charged and you walk around with a charge for a while. Uh, <laughs> you sit in front of, of, uh, of your computer and, and the computer um, actually generates a static charge as well as, as exposing you to, to electromagnetic fields. And, and uh, this is why some people uh, you, you can buy a, a, a grounding mat that you that you can put your feet on to discharge the, the static electricity that accumulates on your body when you work on the computer mm-hmm. so uh, it, it's it's uh it's a charge you, you you can build up a charge on your body without feeling it without knowing it and that that's called static electricity in, in the 18th century they used that for medical purposes they they had these um, electrical static electric machines that that you rotated with your hand and hand operated uh huge disk and and it it rotated at a slower or higher speed and it, and it rubbed a, a vitreous electricity it rubbed a piece of glass resinous electricity it, it rubbed a piece of sulfur it depended on whether you wanted to generate a charge of negative or positive electricity And this was transferred to the patient and uh, used for medical
0: purposes. Hmm. Definitely seems to make the case for the fact that we are electrical beings, though. Um, I mean, I think that that's one of the main points that a lot of people don't even realize, you know, and we use all these things in in the medical field like EKG, uh, you know, EEG, what, what yeah, would you say e- to what would you say to somebody who who just doesn't doesn't believe that we're kind
1: of built on electricity well yeah the the e k g detects brain waves uh, hmm. which are electromagnetic fields they they are frequencies that our brain gives off and and uh, our heart gives off frequencies and that's measured w- w- with an electrocardiogram and uh if it's normal. The electrocardiogram. Is, if the electrocardiogram is normal, you're healthy in your heart. If the um, electroencephalogram is normal, your your brain is healthy, and 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 it's used for diagnostic purposes. It, it's uh, people don't realize that that this could not happen if your brain was was not an electric uh, organ in some sense, and your heart is an electric organ, and and the the your heart's pacemaker it, it, it actually uh is electrical in nature um, mm-hmm. your, your nervous system um <laughs> your you, your nerves are actually in 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 some sense transmission wires for electricity um the electrical activity of your, of your brain um uh, there was a, cl- a classic book in, in our field called The Body Electric, and this was explored in, in, in depth for many decades. And he wrote a book called The Body Electric. It was Dr. Robert O. Becker, and I highly recommend that book. It was written in uh, 1985. Mm-hmm. He was an orthopedic surgeon at the uh, State University of New York in Albany. And he did uh, groundbreaking work exploring the electrical nature of our body and, to some extent, of the world around us and how we interact. And I, I cut my teeth on partially on his book. Hmm. So yeah, our cells are are, are electrical, our are, are, uh, our organs are electrical, and and we are very complex. Uh, pieces of electrical electronic equipment much more complex than, than our computers are.
0: And even Chinese medicine, I think you mentioned in the book like acupuncture right is is based on electrical points of the body.
1: That's correct. The, the acupuncture points are points of low resistance, low electrical resistance. and the acupuncture meridians are channels, Um, of uh, also low resistance. Um, They're actually electrical channels and and, uh, they seem to be waveguides for um, not only um, high frequencies, um, they they seem to be good waveguides, guides guides for millimeter waves. They seem to be also good waveguides for light frequencies, so that the the the, uh, the light that the sunlight that we're nor, nor, naturally exposed to, actually gets guided to the to the uh, inner organs of our body by our meridians, and and the, and there are ways that the body circulates the energy that it gets from the universe hmm. um, into our bodies. Um, th- this is why I think that the 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 uh, Communication Satellites are so dangerous because they are altering and polluting the global electrical circuit that is studied by atmospheric physicists and atmospheric physicists know nothing about biology, but the, uh, the global electric circuit, the, the, the atmospheric electric field that we all live in and, and function in, um, is continuous with the circulation of electricity within our bodies that is um, studied by in oriental medicine. Is that the
0: Schumann resonance? Uh, is that what you're referring to, or is it something different?
1: The Schumann resonance is generated by lightning, and it's related. Um, mm-hmm. When lightning strikes the earth, the it, it, the energy reverberates around the Earth and the Earth resonates at 7.83 hertz Mm -hmm. because of its size. It's a cavity formed by the surface of the Earth and the ionosphere 25,000 miles around and and the resonant frequency of that size of a cavity is 7.83 hertz. Um, So we're all bathed in 7.83 seven point eight three hertz all of our lives um, that's the, the 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 basic frequency the the hertz twenty hertz twenty six hertz thirty two hertz those are the called the Schumann resonances and our brain waves are in tuned to those frequencies
0: right I read about a um, uh, professor Berger actually did the first um EEG on that right and he discovered that it was the same the same resonance same amount of hertz
1: yeah the al- alpha waves it, uh, um are from eight to 14 hertz and those are the first and second schumann resonances so it, it's the same and um all, all animals um that have been examined uh also have alpha wave frequencies that are bounded by the first two Schulen resonances. Wow. So we're kind of running the off. Global of these, electrical.
0: Sorry, we're running off of these very specific like frequencies, right? And when yeah. and, and we and then in the meantime we have all these other frequencies kind of disrupting that.
1: That's correct.
0: Hmm. And is it true that um, television actually uses alpha waves.
1: I don't think so, no.
0: Really? I've read somewhere that that they actually use alpha waves um in television programming. So and it and it can make you like actually suggestible. I'm not sure where I heard that. Well that's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> oh is it? Okay.
1: Um, yeah. Interesting. Okay. But most of what most of these effects are, are are not being done deliberately. Okay, they're being done in ignorance. Right. So... You, you you can. This is one of the things that Ross eighty uh, brought back from the Soviet Union. He, there there were these devices that that uh, were, were being invented where yes, you could. Um, have specific psychological effects on people by by exposing them to to particular low frequencies in and, and not, not not in the schumann range you you could expose somebody to to seven hertz eight hertz nine hertz ten hertz, and each frequency would have a, a different uh effect so, so you could use it. For 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 nefarious purposes, and this was being developed back in the nineteen eighties in the Soviet Union. R- Ross eighty brought it back, and, and he demonstrated it, and it's been pretty much ignored. And uh, I don't know where that technology has gone. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I knew a psychologist back in in Massachusetts uh, w- when I was starting to research this. I was in communication Who who this was in the days before wireless technology and he was experimenting with ordinary computers and he, he demonstrated that that uh, people's brain waves um, looked like uh, the EKG when you were sitting in front of a computer it looked like you were in a trance state mm-hmm. but yeah these, these frequencies do have that kind of an effect
0: and and so, so animals easy. are the same as well yes Absolutely. I think they've done studies on bees, right? Even with, um, I think I saw something with cord, just cordless phones that we used to use, uh, where they put it in a beehive, and um, there was a there was a drastic decline. You can kill
1: bees with a cell phone. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. There, 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 there have been some. Uh... A few studies where they they put uh, cell phones inside beehives, and in in, in, a, in two three months, there's no bees left in the hive. Right. Um. And there was an there was an experiment by by an Indian uh, zoologist, Nilima Kumar. <clears throat> um. She exposed uh, honeybees to a cell phone and. Uh, <coughs> took samples of their blood, their, their hemolymph. Um, and after 10 minutes, the bees were not digesting their food anymore. Their their levels of sugars, fats, and proteins skyrocketed in in, in their blood. And that uh-huh. shows that, that the same thing is happening in bees uh, as is happening in humans.
0: That's a very important thing to, to pay attention to, I would think. Bees kind of run the show. Um, I I wanted to ask you before we run out of too much time um, about what's happening now with uh, millimeter waves and, you know, the implementation of 5G and this whole coronavirus thing. Um, You know, of course, the first thing I ever really heard about 5G was that it was a conspiracy theory and, um, you know, people were talking about it um, being the cause of of coronavirus and whatnot, and uh, I know I don't know if you've ever uh, seen this study. There's a, there was a study put out last year called "5G Technology and Induction of Coronavirus in Skin Cells," uh, and it was immediately <laughs> retracted. And my friend actually knows one of the the people who uh, who were on that study, and he got so much um, harassment for putting this study out that he, he was just forced to retract it. I mean, he thought he was going to lose everything.
1: What's I have your... seen that study and, and, and it mm-hmm. is an intriguing study. It's, it's a good, intriguing scientific study. Um, mm-hmm. It needs to be followed up. <clears throat> yeah.
0: So what's the, what's the difference with now the new millimeter waves as opposed to everything else that we've already experienced?
1: Oh, well, for one thing, um, the, the, the old Russian studies, and, and I think they're still going on on use of millimeter waves in medicine because they've discovered specific frequencies that have specific effects on on the human body and, and, and they're using, uh, they're applying millimeter waves to acupuncture points. Um, it, it's kind of alarming that 5G uses millimeter waves um, in that respect. Um, uh, But the other thing about 5G is that it uses phased array technology, Mm -hmm. which is different. Um, Phased arrays is when you have lots of antennas Um, working in coordination with each other to focus a narrow beam of radiation. And this is what 5G is. It's wireless technology. Until now, your your cell phone has broadcast its radiation in all directions. Cell towers broadcast their radiation in all directions. They basically use one antenna and it it broadcasts everywhere. What 5G is, what phased array technology is, and this this was originally used in radar, so you could focus beams of radar and scan the horizon. Um, They have hundreds or thousands of of antennas that work together, and and, uh, with constructive and destructive interference, you can produce a beam that is very narrow and only aims in one direction, and uh, you can search. This is what 5G is. Okay. Uh, The millimeter waves mean several things. It means, A, they're very useful because the higher the frequency, the shorter the wave, the larger the bandwidth. You can carry a lot more information on a millimeter wave. Um, The what the phased arrays do, and, and, and it also means that your antennas are tiny. They're, they're not several feet long like they used to be. They're millimeter size antennas. But with a phased array, the cell tower has thousands of little tiny antennas in it coordinating their radiation into focused beams that search, and you're cell phone the 5g component of 5g cell phone also has hundreds of little tiny antennas in it that coordinate th- their their activity and into narrowly focused beams that search and they track each other they, your, your your phone emits a beam and the cell tower emits a beam they find each other and they track each other so the cell tower is no longer aiming that beam at everyone; it's aiming the beam at you. Oh my god! And your cell phone is aiming its beam at the cell tower. And if you walk around, they track each other and they continue to aim at each other.
0: So, are and, these phones that they call five G? Are they already equipped to do this now? Or yes. because I, there's all kinds of information saying that they don't even have really like the chipset
1: in them? Oh, that oh. yes, absolutely. You, you can you can buy five G phones. Okay, I think the iPhone 12 has 5G in it. All right, um, and that that's why they're building uh, antennas on top of, of, of uh, lampposts all over the country. Um, they wouldn't be building them if they weren't in use. Hmm. So, so if, if if this is what's being placed on top of uh, utility poles all over the country, in front on sidewalks, in front of houses. And this is what everybody's freaking out about because these beams, these focused beams, are very powerful. They're more powerful than, than uh, previous uh, antennas have been. And um, the reason they need to be so powerful is because millimeter waves, the shorter the wave, the easier it's blocked by objects. And they don't go through walls very easily. So they make them extremely powerful so they can get inside your house. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And and there have there have been studies that I've read, you know, and I think as you mentioned, that you know, these these beams affect the oxygen molecules in your body and you know, a host of other things. Which is really interesting because at the beginning of the the whole coronavirus thing. Um, there were people presenting with, you know, um, what what they called, it, it seemed as if they were, they had some kind of altitude sickness. Um, there there was a doctor who came out and, and was talking about this because he didn't think it was a virus. He said that they were, you know, these people were like acclimating as if they had been on the top of Mount Everest or something. Um, what role do you think? millimeter waves and 5G played in all of this?
1: I, my conclusion so far is that there is a real virus, probably released accidentally from the laboratory in Wuhan, China, and that the disease that is called COVID-19 is partially caused by 5G okay. and that the two are synergistic because the virus damages your lungs and prevents and it damages your blood vessels apparently so that your blood does not get enough oxygen. <clears throat> what the radiation does is it prevents your cells from using the oxygen. So together, if 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 you're hypoxic in your blood and your cells are not using oxygen efficiently, that's le- that's a lethal con- combination. Right. And I think separately, it would not have been such a devastating pandemic. Hmm. So and, it's, I have- and it's an interesting and it's an interesting coincidence, and maybe not such a coincidence that 5G was officially rolled out in China a couple of weeks before the first cases of COVID-19 were discovered. That's right. Yeah, I did hear that. And 5G was turned on all over New York City a couple of weeks before the pandemic really hit New York City. Mm -hmm. Um, And... 5G was on board the Diamond Princess cruise ship, and it was one of the very first cruise ships to have 5G antennas on board. Yes. So that that's a lethal com- combination.
0: Yeah, they, they talk about, or um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Tom Cowan. I think actually he was the one who turned me on to your book, uh, but he talks about a lot of that in his book, The Contagion Myth. I don't know if you've heard of that, but... I have. I have,
1: and I have spoken with him. I I, I don't necessarily agree with everything that he says. I, right. I think that viruses are real. I think that the coronavirus is real. Um, but I think it has turned into uh, something of a myth, because everything nowadays, if you test positive, for COVID-19 mm-hmm. and you get sick or 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 you go into the hospital and you test positive your disease is now blamed on COVID-19 it doesn't matter what your disease is but it's all being blamed on COVID-19 right and the and, PCR and test it,
0: they just recalled because it it's you know and it, it's never been accurate <laughs> it's never really been a diagnostic tool
1: right so so my conclusion in observing the world is that, yeah, there was a real pandemic in, in the beginning of 2020. Um, it, it was a relatively mild pandemic. It was not that much more much different from the, the annual influenza. Um, and since then, you don't hear about the ground glass appearance of lungs anymore. You just hear about people with uh, various blood ailments or or uh, um, hemorrhages and all kinds of weird things. And they're testing positive for COVID-19 and it's being called uh, coronavirus and and, the, and and society is locked down because of this intense fear of what happened in 2020 and everybody believes it's still going on, mm-hmm. but we're intensifying the radiation also so i think that you can't even distinguish what's causing people's illnesses now because the the radiate as long as we're all being radiation more and more, radiated mm-hmm. more and more intensively you can't tell what's making people sick you can't tell if it's a virus you right. can't tell if it's the radiation there's no way of distinguishing
0: so do you have an opinion on the, um, I don't know if you know of uh, Dr. Stefan Lenka, he recently did control experiments on viral cultures. And he says that the that the conditions within the culture, uh, meaning the toxic antibiotics and the uh, vero monkey kidney cells, which are starved, and put into the culture are actually the 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 cause of what they call contagious viruses, and when you remove, when he removed the um, the disease material and uh, performed the control, he found that the cytopathic effect, meaning the cell death, uh, was due to the culture mediums. So I guess that's uh, the I guess the main point that people who don't believe in the virus or, or any virus uh, are making. I wondered if you kept up on that and had an opinion on it.
1: I am not familiar with his work mm-hmm. um, i i I think there definitely are viruses in the world there smallpox existed uh, polio exists uh, measles mumps yeah the, the, these are real diseases they're trans they're communicable they're mm-hmm. caused by viruses okay I don't think there's any doubt of that.
0: Interesting. We, you should check out some of his work is he is a very interesting guy. But yeah, I mean, you know, everybody has uh, so many opinions swirling around about all of this. But I think uh, I think everything that we can agree on is uh, that, you know, it's definitely been blown out of proportion. And, um, you know, things like like 5G radiation are not being looked at.
1: I, I totally agree with that. Mm
0: hmm. Um, so I guess um, to kind of wrap this up, what can what can people do, you know, to, to help the the cause right now? I mean, we have like Elon Musk putting satellites in low orbit. I don't know how many he's put up there already. Um, About 800. 800? 1800. Oh,
1: 1800.
0: What, what's his plan with all of this? this? What's, what's the ultimate goal for satellites? And what is that going to do to everybody on Earth?
1: He already has permission to launch 12,000 satellites. Oh, man. Um, and he has applications into the FCC for an additional 30,000 satellites, for a total of 42,000 satellites. Um, he is about to begin commercial service of Internet from... The Starlink constellation of satellites um, in August, like uh, possibly as early as next week um, nice. and as I alluded to earlier, those satellites are in low orbit, just uh, two three hundred miles above the earth. Um, they're in the ionosphere which controls the global electric circuit and this is the, the circuit that it's an electric circuit that we all live in flows through the ionosphere down through the atmosphere from sky to earth on atmospheric ions circulates beneath our feet, in the Earth, back up to the sky, in thunderstorms. And that's what lightning is. Lightning is the completion of that circuit. And we all live in it. We live in an electric field of 130 volts per meter in fair weather, reverses itself in thunderstorms, and it circulates in our bodies. So this electric current that, that travels from sky to Earth 24-7, year-round, has done so for billions of years, circulates through our bodies in our acupuncture meridians. It's about to be polluted by 1,800 satellites, emitting millimeter wave frequencies, soon to be 12,000 satellites, soon to be 42,000 satellites, Soon to be 100,000 satellites because we have China that's that, that's about to launch 12,000 satellites. We have Amazon that is planning to launch 3,000 satellites. We have Facebook that's planning to launch 3,000 satellites. We have OneWeb out of the UK that has already launched 250 satellites. We have a Canadian company. There, there's all these companies com- competing to provide internet. to to the middle of the ocean, to National parks, to Antarctica, everywhere on the planet is going to be bathed Hmm. in in a polluted electric circuit. And uh, so what's this going to do to life? We don't know. That's Hmm. the bottom line. We don't know what this is going to do to life below. It It could wipe out life on Earth. Oh, my goodness.
0: Because it certainly sounds like there could at least be another (laughs) pandemic or, you know, if you don't, I mean, as, as we talked about, you know, in history, we will
1: find out shortly. (laughs) Yeah. It
0: seems like we will. And what do you think of Elon Musk? I mean, I saw him in a, in a Joe Rogan clip recently talking about how you can strap cell phones. Uh, If you, he said, if you wore a a helmet made of cell phones, uh, and also, like, put them around your genitals, then you wouldn't, you didn't, don't have to worry about anything. And this
1: is the guy putting that, that's satellites. That's exactly what he said. He said, he said, you could strap a helmet around your head made of cell phones. Yeah. Yes. And, and it wouldn't affect you. So, so he, he's ignorant. He he doesn't know.
0: You think he think, you think he's just completely ignorant that he has no idea?
1: Uh, I think that's the case. He has no clue.
0: That's so insane. So where can people find you? And um, and you you do have like a, a petition going still, correct?
1: Yeah, it's still open for signatures. It's called the International Appeal to Stop 5G on Earth and in Space. Um, you go to 5gspaceappeal.org and you can sign it. It's uh, got 300,000 signatures so far.
0: Okay. And Is that getting any attention?
1: Uh, not yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not a lot. Um, we have journalists who, who are interested in, in publicizing it. Uh, it. It's a work in progress. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Well, I recommend everybody go sign that. And um, yeah, thank you so much for, for talking with me today. The book is uh, The Invisible Rainbow, A History of Electricity and Life. And if you want to know about all this stuff, uh, I, I highly recommend it. So thank you very much, Arthur, for, uh, for stopping by, and I hope and, you'll, you'll come and back and
1: want talk to us re- again. Hmm? And if people want to receive my newsletters, they can go sign up at uh, cellphonetaskforce.org
0: slash newsletters. Okay, yeah, the newsletters are great. I'm definitely, I'm signed up for those. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I really, I really appreciate your time.
1: Okay, thank you very much.
0: All right. Thanks, Arthur.
1: Bye. Bye Bye-bye.